this is Nika. This is the Fuck Illness Podcast. Or Fuck the Illness, actually, now is what it's called. Uh, today's episode is female entrepreneurs and chronic illness. Um, as many of you know, I have a kidney transplant, um, as well as asthma and gut issues, multiple things going on, as do many people with chronic illness. So I'm going to have everybody introduce themselves, and we will get started. Mandy, let's start with you. What is your illness? What do you do? Um, I am a type 1 diabetic, and I have been a type 1 diabetic for about eight or nine years now. And I'm also a real estate broker associate and own my own staging company. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And you are a type 1 diabetic. Why? Um, so they don't really understand 100%, um, how it happened. But when I was pregnant, I had gestational diabetes, which is very, very common. And then afterwards it never went away. And so they misdiagnosed me as a type two diabetic for the longest time, had to be on the wrong medication. And then finally I found a good endocrinologist who tested my beta cells and found out that I was in fact type one. Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, what about you? Um, my chronic illness is hemoxicillin which caused my kidney failure. Um, I had a kidney transplant two years ago, and I work as an LPN, but um, my business is a quilting business. Awesome. And Janelle? Well, I am a personal trainer, nutritionist, prep coach, contest preps for bodybuilding shows. I have, like, similar to you, uh, not kidney, but severe gut issues, severe allergies, Hashimoto's, polycystic ovaries, which with Hashimoto's, I've been through hell and back with doctors, and it goes up, it goes down, trying to balance the thyroid out, um, multiple endocrinologists, and what really helped me was a DL, pretty much, a Dr. Vastupath, because they look at the whole picture instead of one thing. And I just recently um, have had a little bit of rough patch for four months, my illness and coming back healing. So um, yeah, sometimes just finding the right doctor because you need somebody open-minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's definitely- Sorry if my bird goes off because he's in the room. <laughs> I love it. What kind of bird? He's a parrot. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. I try to get them in a different room, but <laughs> you do what you can. So yeah. what I'm curious about, um, because for the most part with most of us, although Sarah, I don't know when you started, but it sounds like we all had um, a lot of our illness stuff happen maybe a little later or different points in our yes. life. So yeah. I'm kind of curious, like, what was your life before illness and mm-hmm. what's your life after illness? <laughs> it's a really interesting question. <laughs> right? It changes. Yeah. It's a big difference. Absolutely. Right? So for me, my 20s, 30s were great. My actually late 20s to early 30s is when stuff started to happen. But you know how doctors are. They, they test you and stuff wasn't coming up in a blood test. But I was having symptoms, clear symptoms of Hashimoto's. Um, and before that, I was energetic. I mean... I didn't have any problems with food allergies. I could, you know, wake up feeling great. Life was good. And then when autoimmune hits you, it's like you have your good days and you have your bad days. Mm -hmm. And I call it the invincible disease because, you know, when people think you have a disease, they 
think oh, you don't look like you have a disease, but inside you're dying, you're, 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 you're suffering. And people can't understand that. That's how I feel about it. So there's, for me, there's good days and bad days. It's some days you wake up and you know, oh, this is going to be a rough day because I'm not feeling good today. Or the next day you're like, wow, I'm actually feeling good. But well, how long will this last? Right. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. No, totally. I yeah. get that. I think everybody with chronic illness can relate to that. Once yeah. something comes on, you're like, let's roll the dice. What's today going to be? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the lotto. Like, am I going to win today or am I not going to win today? <laughs> Uh, Sarah, what about you? Uh, my illness actually started when I was 13. So like prior to that, obviously I was a little kid and, um, I don't know. It's, there's definitely good days and bad days and good weeks and bad weeks, but I would say overall my life was a lot different before I was ill. You know, I was in sports, I was doing stuff. Um, and now that stuff is really hard for me to do. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you mind me asking, how old are you now? I'm 21. Okay, so it's been in the last seven, eight years. Yeah. And you went on dialysis too, and we'll get into that, all, all of that. But how long were you on dialysis? I actually didn't have to do dialysis. Oh, I thought you my, did. Okay. No, my um, transplant was preemptive. Oh, that's and awesome. so, yeah, I, I didn't have to do it. That's so cool. Good for you. Yeah, it's it was really nice. Yeah. No, that's the ideal situation. So that's so cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then Andy. Yes. So <laughs> I developed this much later in my life. I was 27, I guess, and I'm 35 now. Um, it's pretty much every day of my life. I'm always like thinking back of. God, it used to be so much different. Like, and just like she was saying with an autoimmune disease, like people visually can't see that you're sick, but some days I literally, I can't get out of bed. Like I have zero energy or my blood sugar is just so out of whack. Even my insulin isn't working that I literally just feel like I'm going to die. It's just, it's a constant balance every day. And it's exhausting. Like exhausting on top of everything else you have to deal with, like with a work and I have a child. And so, yeah, whenever I reflect back to being prior to 27, like life was pretty much a cakewalk compared to what it's now. So agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yes. You were strong. You're energetic. You could, you could take on the world. Do anything. <laughs> Do yeah. Anything. And now it's like, how am I going to get through my day today? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Well, because there's also like, it even comes down to like things like, especially like when you have gut issues or, you know, Sarah, you didn't have to do dialysis, but you were pre-dialysis to have a transplant. So you had to adjust yeah. your diet. So we've all had to adjust our diets. Mm-hmm. And that's yes. actually an interesting thing because that's, um, that's such a daily thing that like chronic illness makes you really appreciative of the smallest things you would never think of like food. Like uh-huh. foods you can eat or, you know, and so that's kind of an interesting thing to get into because we all, you know, big things change, but it's the little things that tally up that sometimes really affect things. Like Mandy, you posted online the other day about your experience at Panera. Mm-hmm. You want to yeah. share that? <laughs> yeah, I definitely can. So I took my daughter to Panera 
And since I'm type one diabetic, my pancreas doesn't make any insulin at all. So I have to inject insulin anytime I eat anything that has like over two carbs in it, which is pretty much everything. Everything. So <laughs> I was having some like squash soup and then I could feel my sugar start getting high. So I was like, okay, I need to take insulin. Like now I'm at the point where I've been doing this so long. I'm not going to go excuse myself to wait in the line in the bathroom to do it. Like I'm sitting at my table. I'm just going to inject it into my stomach. So there was a table of three people and they weren't like teenagers. They were adults. And I overhear them say, look at her. She's doing heroin at the table with her child. Oh my God. That's crazy. And I was like, first of all, who injects heroin into their stomach? Okay. <laughs> and who does it in public in a in a an aerobrane? <laughs> right, exactly. And I was just like, people are so uneducated about so many diseases that affect yeah. so many people, and it's just, yeah. you know, like I I wasn't embarrassed or anything because I realized they're just idiots. But um, but yeah, it's there's always something like people judging or if I have to like on the plane before I've had to check my blood sugar and the person next to me was like, do you need to do that here? Like, yeah. Would you rather me go into a coma? Like, geez. Wow, I know. can't believe how ignorant people are. That's crazy. Yes. Yes. And insensitive completely. Right. Yeah. No compassion. No, none. Yeah. Nothing. And that's one of those moments where it's like, you know, because you have to do the insulin a little visible but it's not visible in the way like you don't look sick so they assume right. you were doing heroin <laughs> right <laughs> so i don't know why they would assume heroin but you know that, that just shows how little people actually know they assume we don't need heroin right exactly no bad you know and that's just that's just crazy to me and it, yeah Wow. Um, and then Janelle, like with bodybuilding and everything, how has that affected? I actually had to retire from this year from uh, competition. I did a whole hour video of me competing and how it kicks my autoimmune disease off and my body doesn't bounce back anymore like it was in my 20s. And I'm 42 now. So the, the idea of competing, I just can't do anymore because coming off of, you know, conscious prep and you're depleting your body and you're getting to an ultra low body fat. My body does not like that. <laughs> it just rejects it. So I, this is the most sick I've ever gotten in four months post show. So that was like an actually an eye opener to really sit and be like, we can't do this anymore. We have to be healthy all the time and maybe just staying healthy and training in the gym and forget about competing because it's not worth it in the end because I, you know, I was in the hospital like three times, like, and mm. my thyroid, I had heart palpitations, um, thyroid was all off, severe allergies. My immune system just pretty much was like shutting down pretty much. Mm. It was just, you know, that's what happens when you put yourself really far, adrenals and the allergies came up and then I had prednisone they gave me and then that affected my thyroid and then the, the um, the antibiotics I was on, I was, my whole body was rejecting everything and bad side effects. So they couldn't get a lot of things under control. And that scared me. And it was an eye opener, um, a reflection of, you know what? My career in bodybuilding is pretty much over competing anyway. So I'll just be coaching behind the scenes. And 
It was when you get a scare and you're the sickest, and maybe Sarah, you could probably relate to this with the kidney. Um, yeah, uh, you start to really start thinking about life. Like, I don't want to be this sick ever again. This is scary. Um, I took my body too far. I'm grateful I'm healing, but we can't go back. <laughs> this just yeah. can't can't do this anymore done and even i scared my husband my family around me and they're like please don't compete anymore please don't do this anymore and i'm like i don't want to i'm afraid to you know it's sometimes you get a scare like this you know let me just be healthy and and enjoy the gym and be you know i'll be always be a bodybuilder but in terms of competitive competing my body just can't take it anymore just can't do it and that was a scare that was definitely a scare. That was probably the sickest I ever been because I went through this like 10 years ago with my thyroid going imbalanced and um, hyperactive. But it, on top of it was the allergies plus my gut was compromised. It was causing severe anxiety and panic attacks and the whole thing just shutting down. I've never been that sick in my life. I mean, it's crazy. So it's definitely scary. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then... What about you, pre, pre-transplant, post-transplant, or any other yeah. Um, I have, like, one experience that pops to mind just about having an invisible illness before my transplant. So before my transplant, they said that the only way to save my kidneys was to do six months of chemotherapy, uh, which was pretty brutal. And I had to do monthly pregnancy tests, even though I had never even been sexually active at that point. I was 17. And, um, anyways, one time I go into the lab to do this pregnancy test and this, this teenage girl is sitting there with her mom and the teenager leans over towards her mom and says, why does that girl have to have a pregnancy test? And the mom goes right back and says, well, honey, some people aren't good kids like you. You know, some people make bad decisions. And I was like, that is so like judgmental and like, accused assuming yeah so that was pretty uh, brutal i know my full bottom is like chewed her ass out wow yeah definitely pre-transplant though i had a lot more restrictions on my life you know i had to be really careful with my diet i had to be really careful with not wearing myself out because my gfr got really low like my overall kidney function got really really low and I really didn't want to do dialysis, like, to the point where I was telling my parents that I just straight up wasn't going to do it. Wow. And so they ended up doing a preemptive transplant with a living donor, which was really cool. Awesome. Um, and post-transplant, my life has been easier in some ways because I don't have diet restrictions. Um, so I learned a lot of ways because I get really worn out really quickly. Mm-hmm. And... Um, just, I don't have the energy that I used to, and, you know, um, I get sick a lot. Like, I actually just got out of the hospital because I had hydronephrosis, which is where there's, like, a fluid buildup around your kidney, um, which made it really painful. Um, but, yeah, I feel like, especially compared to a lot of people my age, like, people don't really expect a 21-year-old to have all these health problems, so it makes it a little tricky. Right. And you actually said you went into sepsis with this last one, right? This last I've one. had sepsis four times with this kidney. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's so crazy. Um, yeah. So since this is about, you know, female entrepreneurs and 
their chronic illness. So we've talked about a little bit about lifestyle. What made you choose the business you're in? So for some of us, it was, you might've been in this business before you got ill. Some of us, it was after. I'm kind of curious what major choice did your illness inform your choice at all? Has it changed your business? How has that affected you guys? Chanel, you want to start? Yeah. Um, I've always been a trainer uh, since I was in my 20s. Um, I'm a different coach and trainer than I am in my 40s. <laughs> okay. um, my true passion is to help others, and I always love nutrition and wellness. What's changed about my business, because it was always just about training and nutrition, now it's health first, training, nutrition, you know, and um, the whole... Because of what's happened to me, I take extra care of my clients to make sure physically, mentally they're okay. Um, making sure they're getting blood work and testing their hormones and they're getting comprehensive panels and making sure they're okay. And because people don't think about it. They don't take it seriously. I work with people who don't have chronic illness. But I've also have gravitated now more people who have autoimmune disease because I have a lot of knowledge about it because I did a lot of research on it since I was going through it. Um, so I get people with lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or Hashi, a lot of Hashimoto's clients or gut, gut issues, allergies, because they can, they want to be with somebody who can relate. And I've told them my personal stories and they feel very comfortable working with me because of that, you know, where somebody who can understand, like Sarah's talking about her experience and, um, with the person assuming, you know, so they, they sometimes work with coaches that don't understand what they're going through. They're having a bad day. or having, you know, no energy today. Should I work out? Should I not work out? And then they'll ask me questions and I'll say, well, this is what I do. And, um, whereas they have a coach that doesn't understand it, they'll be like, oh, you just need rest, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just not taking it so serious. So I've definitely changed my business more wellness and, um, health focusing on health mentally and physically definitely that makes sense or i'm sure that on the other hand of it too there's some people that'll have a coach that they don't understand it and they're like oh just push through it yeah that's it which is yeah. way more detrimental but you can't tell somebody who's lupus or hashimoto's who's like their joints and their muscles are killing them and it's like pushing through would not be the right answer <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah they're inflamed they need to rest you know right. they need to take you know yeah and heal. No, that makes sense. And then Sarah, with your quilting business and all that, how'd that come about? Um, basically, I lost my job because I had been sick too many days, mm. and that was pretty brutal. Because you know, I love what I do. I love working in the medical field. I love taking care of other people. Um, and quilting is something that I've always kind of had a real passion for, and I realized that I could kind of do something that I love and make other people happy and a big part of what I do is I make quilts for patients on dialysis and so yeah that makes me really happy because one I get to do something that I love and two I get to give back to a community who's like been through the same stuff that I have yes um so it's really rewarding that's how I feel too about my clients because it's rewarding to give back to others who went through similar stuff as you so, uh-huh. uh, and you're enjoying what you're doing. So it doesn't even feel like work. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's a big thing of it. And then, and for people who don't know, the reason quilts for dialysis patients is so awesome is because when you're on dialysis, you're freezing your ass off because uh, yeah. they, blood, they keep the rooms really cold and you mm-hmm. go in there with like as many layers as I mean, it's just so cold. You're uncomfortable. 
And so any little thing that gives you comfort, like a yeah. cup, especially that's handmade and everything else, is such an amazing gift um, to make something that's really difficult a little bit more bearable from both sides, from the side of like your warmer, but also that it's, you know, this beautiful thing that's handmade from somebody um, for people in that same situation. So I think that's awesome. Thanks. You're welcome. And Mandy. Yes. So I've been in real estate since I started working. So definitely prior to being diagnosed. Um, things are very different now just because, you know, real estate, it's not a nine to five job. So I'm sometimes having to meet with clients at seven in the morning to staying up until past midnight, working on proposals and things like that. And when you have an autoimmune disease, it's very taxing on you. You already don't have enough energy to begin with. Like, and now I have to stay up, you know, and work a 14, 15 hour day. And it's just, it's near impossible sometimes. So there will be days where I have like three days in a row like that, where I'm killing myself. And then the next three days, I literally can't get out of bed. So it's just, it's hard to find any kind of balance um, when it comes to that type of work and maintaining your health at the same time. So that's why I do take those days. I'm like, I'm not getting out of bed. Like I need to, you know, let my body heal itself before I can even try to do anything. So it does set me up for a disadvantage, though, financially, compared to someone who has a normal functioning immune system, you know? So it's it's been a challenge, for sure. That makes sense. Um, so here's the next question for all of that, then. So given even all these difficulties, is there anything you would change about being in business for yourself versus not, and, and this is for everybody, and having chronic illness? Um, One thing I did, go ahead, Amanda. Oh, okay. Um, I, as far as being in business for myself, um, the best thing about that is that I can take those days off when I need it versus, you know, having a nine to five job where I have to be there for somebody else. If I'm not feeling well, just like she said, I'm going to end up losing my job because of how many days I have to miss. So in that aspect, working for myself and being able to, you know, build my own schedule is just best for me for sure. I could definitely agree with that because I like the flexibility of having your own business. You can change your hours around. I mean, I had to, I mean, I used to be like you, um, Amanda, where it was like up at 4 a.m., training clients. Then even though you have a split shift, then I'm training myself. Then I'm working till from four to nine at night. And then I have to do it all over again. And I can't do it anymore. So I had to actually lose a couple of clients because I just couldn't do the schedule. I, my brain couldn't function because you have to work. By the nine o'clock client, I'm like, I know a million exercises. I cannot think right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, I'm so I was always tired all the time and run down. And I said, and you know, I did the schedule for like 20 years and I was like, I can't do this anymore. So like two years ago, I changed my schedule. And the earliest I start is eight. And the latest I start, I take a client at like seven and like, that is it. And it's just a uh, hold. I get a lot more sleep now. And cause sleep is huge. Um, 
for me. Um, otherwise, I'm like hurting in the morning and I need some, I, I don't do a lot of weekends because I, again, it's the whole, we need to take the day off. I, I can't function and I can't get through my day. So I like yeah. the flexibility of making my own hours. And I've learned to say no a little bit more for people who want certain times. And I'm like, I can't do it anymore. I just can't. Whereas when I was younger, I used to be like, oh yeah, I'll take anybody anytime, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then it was like, I have, I can't do this. I can't keep running, running, running around and running on empty. So yeah, yeah I could totally relate to that. So that's what I like about having the hours that I can make myself. Yeah. Or if you have to take a day off, you do. You don't feel good. Yeah. And then Sarah, what about you? I definitely agree that making your own hours is super nice. Uh, The part where I've struggled is if I feel good, if I don't feel good, I don't want to do anything. And so meeting deadlines is sometimes a little bit hard for me because I have these long-term projects that I have to complete. Um, so I think like one way I could improve my business is like having somebody else manage my schedule a little bit, like where I still have the flexibility, but it's not like every single day I get to take off because right. I'm, I'm bad about doing that. That makes sense. And do you think you would ever go back into medical or are you happier? In oh medicine? yeah, no. I, I work in the medical field right now. Are oh, you still do? Um, yeah. Part-time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the part-time is really nice because I can go home and rest. So, like, I only work in the mornings right now, which means that in the afternoons I can come, come home, I can rest, I can quilt a little bit, I can nice. dinner with my family, quilt some more, and, you know, really, it keeps me on a better schedule, like, yeah. where I'm a lot more consistent. And I think that's great because you've found a good, it sounds like you've found a good, like, halfway point between, like, yeah. you, know, you loved that career. But because of your illness, it's kind of made you start your own business too. So you get to have both worlds and sound what works for you. And like for me, you know, it's funny because Janelle, I'm similar. And then at the same time, the opposite to you is like, I used to, yes, I used to say yes to all my clients. I train mm-hmm. every day long, six days a week. And then I'm like, I can't do this anymore. But what I needed more than anything was more um, days off and so what I do instead is I work two really long days I work right. and Wednesday, 14 hour days, 12 to 14. Yes. And then I don't work the, I don't teach the other days. Cause what it is, is if I work three hours or 14, I'm equally exhausted the next day. My body. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Can't do it. And I learned that and I'm like, okay, well, if that's the case, but I might as well just be really exhausted two days instead uh-huh. of trying to draw it out. And then that's easier for my body because either way, the days in between, I need to be able to rest and recover and everything else. And so Absolutely. that's a big change for me. And then those other days, I can work on the other projects I have going on. But mm-hmm. like, that's the biggest change for me is it's like, I can work three hours or I can work 13 hours. I'm still tired. It's yeah. Yeah. exhausting. It's not like, oh, I can just pop in for an hour or two. And I'm fine. That doesn't exist anymore. No. And those are yeah. those little Very things true. that change that you're like, oh. And it's, you know, sometimes I joke, I'm like, oh, I'm getting older. I'm like, no, it's all, it's, you have a kidney transplant and you have 50 other things going on. And, right. Yeah. and getting sleep, being able to get eight hours a night is really mm. important now. I used yeah. to, I'm so proud. I can only get four or five. No, no. If I don't oh, get God, I used to be able to function on four or five hours a night. And I was like, yeah, it's great. And I'm like, no, we cannot. Function no, I'm painful. staring at the wall. I'm like, 
Yeah. My brain is not working. (laughs) That's totally true. Um, The next thing I'd like to briefly touch base and then we're going to kind of end this thing and, you know, wrap this part up, but what, so we are starting to touch on it. So being a woman, being a business owner and having chronic illness, what boundaries, we started touching on it with like saying no to clients, but what boundaries have you had to set? Let's start with just the business side first. What boundaries have you had to set in your business life to take care of you in the other parts of your life? Um, I can answer that. Yeah. Uh, basically, I can only accept so many orders or else I completely lose my mind and flip out. Um, but I find that, you know, limiting my orders, limiting the complex, like the complexity of the orders mm-hmm. has been really helpful. And <clears throat> setting realistic expectations for myself where, you know, I can't just say oh I'm just gonna power through and I'm just gonna do it like I need to have time scheduled off yeah uh, so that I can be that appropriately that's great that makes perfect sense and then Janelle what about you so you said the I would say similar to Sarah because I have this like you I this some days I do wrong and then other days shorter because if I have to work on somebody's plans or, you know, well, yeah. a training, nutrition plan, I, I need my brain to function. It is only so much that I can do in a day. And I need to set aside time where I'm not taking clients or I need a few hours off so I can work on that um, or train myself or get the sleep that I need to sleep. So there is some boundaries. Um, certain times of the day, I don't take clients. Um because I know I need that regrouping or that recovery or that rest. Like I'm talking mentally because sometimes right. I'll have brain fog or I can't because using my business, using your brain all the time, you know? So it's, the, it's, uh, it's almost like my brain can only take so much now. Like, so I, whereas I used to be able to, before I got this illness, I could go all day. I'm very sharp. I could do this and that now. I, I, there's only so much hours of the day where I could really use my brain and I need to, you know, take a chill and recover and be like, I can't overwork myself. Mm-hmm. So I need time set aside where I can work on, you know, uh, fitness programs, sitting and being able to use my brain in the, in its full capacity. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Perfect sense. Yeah. And Mandy, what about you? Um, <clears throat> pretty much the same thing. Um, I actually started seeing a, she handles like business life coaching, but she's also a therapist. And so I started seeing her, um, a couple of years ago and the last year really helped me with this because I was struggling so much with how do I maintain a balance when I don't feel well? And like, how do I still make sure I'm attending to my client's needs while I myself can't even take care of myself? And she's basically taught me that you just can't bite off more than you can do. You have to be realistic about, you know, the amount of business that you're doing when you don't feel well. You have to have boundaries with these clients. And basically my thing is I won't answer any phone calls after 7 p.m. now unless it's like an absolute emergency. Um... And then I've really learned that if I have a specific client who is not understanding and is pushing me further than a normal person should be pushing me, 
um, and just not having realistic expectations, like I can let those people go and I'll be fine because my health is going to benefit in the end instead of killing myself with these people for a paycheck. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of adjustments that have had to be made for sure. You touched on something that I think is like the biggest thing and Janelle, you had mentioned it too. And I think we're all kind of touching on the same thing of like learning to say no is way tougher than you ever think it is when it comes (laughs) to business. And yeah, people, business owners have that problem anyway, but for us, it's more like potentially life and death at certain points in the sense of like, if we don't say no in really specific times, that's putting our health at risk and the stakes mm-hmm. are even higher and learning to navigate that because you also don't want to be the sick person in a right. sense too. Right. So you, it's like, you don't want it to be, you don't want to be labeled a certain way necessarily if that's something you care about, or you don't want to be seen a certain way when you're just trying to find that balance and be competitive in your business, be able yeah. to make the money you need to financially make. Those are all things you have to navigate even more than any other business owner. And I think we all kind of agree on that. Um, I'm going to, this is a great place for us to wrap up. And when we come back, I want to touch into the other areas of, you know, being a woman with chronic illness, with a business, the other parts of our life that get affected from all of these things. Um, Thank you all for starting this conversation with me. I'm going to take a pause right now and we will be back. The next episode is going to be part two of this.